Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. continue on in our look in the life of Peter and and with the theme of don't waste your life. In other words, don't waste these experiences, these moments that God gives you in your life where where powerful things happen or difficult things happen. We talked about storms, we've talked about mountaintops, we've talked about we've talked about all kinds of moments that show up in the life of Peter because of his experience with Jesus and 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 how he built on those and how those built him into Honestly, what God had always meant for him to be. Let me say this: um, if I were to if I were to speak to you from a completely secular uh, vantage point about this, a human being, what you become is an amalgam it, of all of the different experiences you have in your life. They all weave together to create the person that you become. Now, I, if I were to take spirituality out of it, I would say to you then that your experiences make you who you are. If I am to put spirituality back into it, and I believe that God plays a role in this, God gives you each one of those experiences. And I think God actually gives them to you in an order in which they build you. So as we've gone through Peter's life, you're seeing Peter being changed. You're seeing Peter being built up. You, you see Peter you see Peter rise to leadership among the 12. We've seen that. But then you also see Peter try to fight for Jesus, try to be at the center of everything try to try to die for him like he'd promised and jesus rebukes him and makes that stop and we talked about that when we talked about don't waste a sacrifice but then you see peter completely fail when he denies christ uh, for uh, three times and then the rooster crows and and all of a sudden peter realizes that he's he's failed jesus he's failed in his witness but then Jesus, as Dave talked to us about last week, Jesus comes back and redeems Peter on the beach and, and brings him back into this fold. And, and he, his question to Peter is, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And, and this, this question three times repeated. And as Pastor Dave so cleanly pointed out, so, so brilliantly pointed out last week, our love for Jesus has got to come first. It's got to be priority. And it's got to be priority if we are going to ever actually lead inside of the kingdom. Now, everybody listen to me. Every time I talk about leadership in church, there's a group of people that turn me off. And they turn me off in their minds because they think, well, I'm not a leader. I don't really want to hear about leadership. I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound very spiritual to me. But let me, let me, let me, try, let me try to say it this way. God has called every one of us to lead. He is going to empower and he is going to and he is going to resource those who lead well and who lead effectively and who lead in a in a in a submitted way to him so that he can accomplish the, his work in the world because look could God do it all by himself without any of us? Absolutely. But he has chosen to engage us in the work of ministry. He's chosen to give us a role inside of ministry. And let me just say it this way. God is a good businessman. And being so, he's going to use those who, 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 will, who will 
be effective, who will reach people, who will grow the kingdom, who will expand the kingdom, who will surrender when he tells them to surrender, who will listen when he calls. He's going to use those kinds of people. Therefore, we must be those kinds of people. How do you become someone like that? Well, a deep love for God that centers up in your person, the person, the, the actual identity of who you are will help you to follow God that way. I love the way Dave said, you know, when you, when you love your wife, you, you, you do things for them. You find ways to do things for, for your spouse. When you, when you love your kids, you find ways to do things for them. You find ways to serve people you love. If you love God that way, you'll find ways to serve him and you'll look for ways that are effective. And then God's going to further resource that because God wants to see the kingdom succeed. I don't mean by this, God blesses people because they're effective or I don't, I don't, I don't really mean all of that. God blesses who he wants to bless. I get that. And I'm not trying to call anybody ineffective, but I am telling you there is going to come a moment in your life when you have to lead and God's going to put you in that spot and you, you won't see it coming all the time. And when it does come, you've got to be ready for it. Well, let me give you the, let me give you the moment here in Peter's life. We're in Acts now. We're going to jump out of the Gospels and into the book of Acts. And, and in, in Peter's life in Acts, here's what's going on. Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus ascends back into heaven. But before he leaves, he gives them their, their, great, com, their great commission, uh, go into uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You'll be my witnesses, he says to them. But he says to them, before you do anything, go back and wait for the Holy Spirit which I promised you. Now, let's be very clear about something. The disciples had no idea what that meant. Um, it, it was a moment where they had never experienced the Holy Spirit the way this was going to happen. They did not know what was going to happen. They just knew something was going to happen, and they knew that when it happened, they would recognize it. I mean, it's, it's, literally, it's literally that vague for them. Jesus says, go back and wait for the Holy Spirit. So they go back. And uh, Peter kind of rises up as the leader among them and, and begins to kind of direct things. They, they elect a new apostle, a new disciple uh, to take the place of Judas. They, they do all of this in chapter one, right? But they're just, they spend most of their time praying. And, and saying, okay, in my mind, the way I see it in my head, they're praying and saying, God, we don't really know uh, what this Holy Spirit experience is supposed to be. So, but whatever it is, bring it. It's kind of like the, the way I got saved. I was, I was nine years old, went down to the altar with my grandmother. My grandfather was preaching and I didn't know what to pray for. I didn't know what to say, but grandma started praying stuff. And I figured she knew what was best for me. And I literally, I prayed, Lord, whatever grandma says I need, that's what I need. I think that's what the disciples are doing. They're in their room. They're in this room and they're praying, Lord, we don't know God. We don't know what's about to happen, but whatever Jesus said, we're supposed to experience bring it and don't let us miss it when it shows up. Well, they weren't going to. So Acts chapter two takes place. And as they're praying one morning, uh, tongues of fire come down, a wind blows through the room. They're all speaking in other languages known uh, that they didn't know. It, the, the, the miracle of speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2 is people who suddenly are speaking fluently in a language they did not know when they woke up this morning. And there's a miracle to that because it says a few verses later that everyone heard in their own language and somehow these guys are speaking in languages they'd never learned and they're communicating the gospel. And then you get to verse 14. 
in verse 14 there's this chaotic scene they're they're beginning to say they're beginning to say uh the, these these men are drunk and 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 you know peter's got to say to him no we're not drunk and so but it watch it says then peter stood up verse 14 chapter 2 of acts then peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd peter takes authority he takes charge. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Look, when God gives you a moment and you see that moment there and the Holy Spirit is leading you, you need to speak up. You need to not fall silent. We, we, look, I'm going to tell you, in our culture right now, we have this tendency to not want to say anything about God because we don't want to offend anybody. Well, y'all, listen, we got to not be like that. You, you don't have to be offensive when you talk about God, but you can't not talk about God because you're afraid to offend. You, you, we talk about God. Let me explain this to you, he says. Listen carefully to what I have to say, he says. He steps up and he begins to take charge. You got to speak up when God calls you to. And here's the hard part. Even when other leaders are present. I got to tell you, uh, in, 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 in a lot of circles, you get these, the, the majority of the room won't step up. And it's not that they don't know what to do next. It's not that they don't know what to say. It's not that they don't have an idea. It's that they, for whatever reason, don't feel like they're the ones who ought to lead. Well, I want you to hear me. If God impresses on you to step up and lead, you need to speak up even if other leaders are in the room. Because it may be that God's given you the word that everybody else needs. And if you don't speak it, they're not going to hear it. If, if you don't speak it, look, it's not like God can't use somebody else, but in this moment, he's chosen to use you. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't waste that opportunity. Speak up and say what God has given you in the moment, whether other leaders are around or not. The, it goes on, verse 16. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He now throws this back in the Old Testament. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. When you lead, you need to do a couple things. Speak up, firstly. But secondly, you need to speak history. Why? You need to remind people of their story. The, 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 the people of Israel have a story, and their story is that God put this family together to bring a Messiah. Peter is now going to let them know that Jesus is that Messiah, and he has come, and he has risen from the dead, and he is in heaven making intercession for all of us. Peter's about to tell them all that, but in order to tell them all that, he's got to get their mind into the story. You say, but everybody already knows the story. Hear me. Speak history even when they should already know. Even, even if they should already know about it, speak it anyway. I, was, I took my first church as, as solo pastor when I was, I think I was 24 years old. I mean, I was, I was, I was really young, and I, and I took this church. Why they hired a 24-year-old, I don't know. Maybe they couldn't find anybody else, but I, they hired me, and I became their pastor. And, and I remember wrestling with, what, how am I going to preach to these people? Some of these people have been saved and serving in this church longer than I've been alive. Quite frankly, at 24, a lot of the people in front of me had been saved longer than I've been alive. I said, Lord, what am I supposed to say to them? And I distinctly remember that God put in my mind this thought. Michael, it's not your job to teach them something new. 
it's your job to remind them what they should already know. And I went, oh. And then it dawned on me, if I teach something new and brilliant, that's called heresy. Because there is a theology, there is a Bible. God's already given us truth. If I change it so it's new and it's fun, then that's not biblical. That's not Christian. That's heresy, and I can't do that. My job is to remind them of what they already know. My job is to remind them of their story here at New Life in La Plata, uh, in our live church. I'll remind them of our story over and over and over again. Why? Because the story is what God's done through us. The story is who we are. And inside of our story is our mission. Inside of our story is, the, is what God wants to do, is God's strength, is God's power, is God's deliverance, is God's provision. All of that is inside our story. That's what he's doing. He's reminding them of their story. When you go to lead someone, let me bring this down. When you go to lead your family, you need to constantly be reminding your family of their story. Who, what is your family story? I mean, it may not be the greatest story. Maybe it is a great story. Maybe you got this great family story. Maybe you got a bad family story. If I take you back a few generations, I got great family stories. I got bad family stories. I got good moments. I got bad moments. That's true in every family. But our family, when you're leading your family, they need to know who they are then you can lead them to where they need to be. If you know who you are now, you can figure out what needs to change to get you to where you need to be next. And Peter's reminding them of this story to tell them, God's promised us the Messiah. Now I'm gonna show you that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised, and I'm gonna show you what you need to do with it. Which brings me to my next point. We need to speak, we need to, we need to speak up, even when other leaders are around, speak history, even when everybody should already know it. But then he says, it says in verse 2, verse 37 of chapter 2, it says, When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You've got to speak truth. And you've got to speak truth to people even when it hurts. You've got to speak truth to people. Look, to just be nice to people to just avoid conflict, to just avoid any chance of being offensive or any chance, any chance of, 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 of making somebody angry. To, to, to live like that is not to bring people to a point of change. If you're actually going to improve the people around you, you've got to get them to a point of change, which means sometimes you're going to have to speak truth even when the truth hurts. Can I be very honest? Sometimes you're going to have to speak truth to yourself even when the truth hurts. See, it says here, brothers and sisters, I mean, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Repent. That's not a good word. That's you're going the wrong way. Turn around and go the other way. That's you're messed up. You need to ask God to help fix you. That's that's you've done the wrong thing. What he's just told them is Jesus is the Messiah and you killed him. You know, he's talking to people who were in the town when Jesus was crucified. They all remember. They all saw this happen. They know that they took part in calling for his crucifixion. They understand they're guilty for this. And he says, you need to repent and be baptized. Repent means to, to ask God for forgiveness. Being baptized means to publicly show that you are part of this new this new faith, this, this body of believers known as Christians, every one of you, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You've got to speak truth even when it hurts. Listen, if you will learn to speak up when God calls you to, and, and, and not, not, let, not be intimidated by other people that are around you, but speak up because God told you to. If you'll learn to do that and then learn to always remember to tell people's story over and over and over again so that they know where you're coming from. They understand why you're having this conversation. In the end, you will earn the right to speak truth to them, even painful truth. Because frankly, painful truth is sometimes what helps. You say, well, I'm never going to be a leader like that, Pastor Mike. I, I, don't need to, I don't need to learn this. Well, let me, let me tell you a leadership moment in my life that somebody led me. Uh, I, this was a couple years ago, uh, maybe three years ago. I, I had kind of stopped doing any type of exercise for quite a while. So uh, my, my friend Chris calls me up and says, let's go for a walk. And so we start walking uh, three times a week going for walks. And he just looked at me one day. It was just the two of us on the walk. He just stopped. He looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you don't seem happy and you're fat. <laughs> okay, that hurt. But it was true at the moment. It was true. I had ballooned up and I, I needed to lose some weight. I was not in good shape. I, was not in, I, was, I just wasn't in a good place. What he did when he spoke that truth was he opened up the ability for me to say, okay, here's what's going on here's here's what I need to deal with. And if I deal with it, I can move on. That truth that hurt brought me to a point of transition. I want you to hear me. We're not speaking painful truth to people just because we want to hurt somebody's feelings. We're speaking truth to people, even painful truth, because we want to bring them to a place of transition. Look, the world needs what Jesus has to offer. I know, I know. The world thinks they need a new president or the world thinks they need a new Congress or the world thinks they need a new representative or a new job or a new house or a new wife or new kids. I mean, I, they, they come up with all kinds of things they think they need. But listen to me. The world needs Jesus. And we've got to let them know that. And some of letting them know that is going to be a matter of speaking truth when it hurts. We don't have to be, we don't, don't, we don't have to be offensive when we speak hurtful truth but we do have to be honest we have to we have we have to let people know you will well, pastor mike how do i how do i even earn the right to do that you earn the right to do that by speaking up when the holy spirit calls you to and reminding them of our shared story whatever your shared story is hey you know we've been friends a long time and and the fact that you know I, i've seen you in all kinds of states and i've seen you in all kinds of places and i've seen you in all kinds of situations right now you know, I think something's not right with you. You don't have to be as, as blunt or rude as Chris is. Chris just knew that's what would work with me. But you do need to speak it. You got to say it. Earn the right over time. But when God opens those doors, take that step and be the leader he's called you to be. Don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't, don't be afraid of it. Don't expect somebody else to do it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of your story. And don't be afraid to speak the hard truth because in that moment, you'll bring people to a place of life-transforming transition. And that's what they need. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just speak into our minds and into our hearts. 
Lord, would you show every single one of us the places you want us to lead, how you want us to lead, what you want us to say. Lord, teach us to say hurtful truths in non-offensive ways or to earn the right to speak hurtful truths so deeply and so well that we don't offend even when we say what's hurtful. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Use every single one of us, and we'll give you praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I've got a couple questions. In a group setting with multiple leaders, like Peter was, how can we ensure that our voice adds value and doesn't just add to the noise when we speak up? Well, you do have to be you do you do have to be very cognizant of what's going on around you. You you've got to you've got to pay attention to um, is what I am saying already being said by someone else. In that sense, then maybe God's maybe God's got somebody else that's going to say that, or am I actually going to add to the conversation? It's not it's it's not okay. What you've got to strive for is adding to the conversation. What you can't let happen is that you don't speak out of a fear of of being offensive. Any decision we ever make out of fear is almost always the wrong choice. Mm. So you can't you can't not speak out of fear of one thing or another. I'm not the leader. It's not my role. Maybe it won't sound smart. All the, well, all those things. You can't not speak out of fear, mm-hmm. but you also need to not speak just because you want to hear your voice in the room. Right. So, uh, so you, you you won't always like hear an audible voice from God saying, "Michael, say this right." It's, that's not how that works. You 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 know in the moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what I need to add to the conversation. Mm. So you're always working to add to the conversation, but never leading out of fear. By the way, you also can't speak out of fear of being ignored. Sometimes people will speak when they shouldn't, but what they're really reacting to is a fear of being ignored, a fear of not being heard. Wow. So they want to speak. Can't do that either. All the decisions you make out of fear are going to be the wrong ones. Oh, You're going good. to be the squirrel in front of my car mm-hmm. that I have to just stop the car because the squirrel can't figure out what to do. Yeah. You know, and you, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, speaking off the idea of fear, how do we balance speaking truth um, while ensuring that we're not causing unnecessary harm uh, or conflict? That's that's in that's in how you say things, mm-hmm. okay. You and and how you say things is all about knowing the person you're talking to. Right. Chris said to me, he did. He said, "Dude, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You, you seem depressed and you're fat." I mean, he knew I could take that, and mm-hmm. he kind of knew that's what it took. It was going to mm-hmm. take something like that to. Yeah to make me do this you know you get after me the same way in the in the gym sometimes when i don't want to do something you're just like get over it go go do it it's like Mm. i don't want to (laughs) but that's not the point you know so but he so he knew me he knew he could do that i've watched chris speak to other people and uh lead them and say painful truth to them in very different ways because what he he's very good at is Mm -hmm. reading a person and knowing how to speak something to that person, you have to do that. If you, if let me let me just say this. This is we don't have near enough time to unpack this, but let me say it anyway. Okay. Um, if you find that you are not high in emotional intelligence, you're not good at knowing how to speak to a person or understanding another person and how they feel. You're not good at empathy. Mm-hmm. You need to do a few things. You need to, first of all, work on that. Uh, but you also need to then be very cautious with how you talk to other people. Because if you're not high in empathy or you're not high in emotional intelligence, you will say things. Mm-hmm. 
in in harm in harmful ways mm-hmm. and you'll think you're helping but you're not and mm-hmm. so you do have to be very careful with that um i i do think you need to be as direct as possible without causing harm i didn't say without hurting feelings because hurting feelings is sometimes what you need mm-hmm. to get somebody to go forward but without causing actual harm yeah you know so what i can say to you mm-hmm. in the gym is different than what I can say to Nora, my four-year-old granddaughter. Mm-hmm. I may, I, I may even be shooting for you know a similar goal: do this, do this. But I can't say it to her the same way I say it to you. I can't say it the same way to Charlotte, her two-year-old sister, as I say it to her. Mm-hmm. You have to know the difference in people so that sure. you say even hard things, but you say them in the right way. Yeah, and sometimes conflict is going to be necessary yes. in all of this. Yes. Um, managing conflict as a leader and kind of standing up and being able to do that. We see Peter do this a little bit. We see Stephen mm-hmm. um, later on is a big, you know, has a huge steps right in the middle of a hornet's nest and makes people very upset. Um, how do, as leaders, how do we manage conflict? Well, first of all, you manage, you use the right word, manage conflict. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't want to get rid of conflict. Conflict is like friction, right? But your car, if your car doesn't have friction with the road, your car won't stay on the road. When your car loses friction with the road, you slide off the road. Same thing happens in relationships. That relationship will crash and burn if there's not some friction and conflict in there because that's how, that's how humans work. Mm. We, we do that. I'm not suggesting we fight all the time. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But there is always friction. There's always some level of conflict. I think the best description I've ever heard of this is uh, our, our general superintendent did a whole lesson with the general board uh, when I was serving there. And it's, he, he said, trust must exceed conflict. If trust is greater than conflict, conflict becomes productive and it becomes that friction that holds you on the road. If trust is ever less than conflict, conflict will become confrontational Mm. it'll be it'll become combative uh if trust is missing so i think i think the way that you manage conflict is that you must earn continually over and over again earn the trust i think that's what we were talking about when when i was saying tell the story right you know keep it keep them in the story so they know they know you really belong here and you really want to be here. Often when I'm talking to Wesleyans, I'll point out I'm a fourth generation firstborn son to be or an ordained minister in the Wesleyan church. What am I saying to them? I'm saying to them, I'm one of you. I'm literally deeply one of you. So I'm not here to bash anybody. We're, we're family. But I'm going to be very direct and I'm going to be, be very honest. I'll usually start what might be a hurtful conversation with other Wesleyan leaders by pointing out, I am you mm. and I'm all, we're on the same team. We have the same story because if you're in story, there's more trust yeah. there. That's good. Yeah. So other resources that if somebody wanted to dive deeper into like biblical leadership, what would you suggest they go and look up? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much anything John Maxwell's ever written, and he's written about <laughs> 400 books. I don't, I don't know how many books he's written, but there's a lot. A lot. And um, but uh, Maxwell is excellent in the sense that he is, um, he's very winsome. He's very able to uh, to kind of walk through and help you understand, help you develop. 
that um, that uh, emotional intelligence and working with people how to how to manage and navigate those. Uh, I, I love I love the I love books by Stephen Covey, um, but frankly, Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. Um, Why Carnegie? Uh, I it's just that book. He's just that good. So many people's lives. Yeah, he wrote that what in the thirties? Oh, it was a long time. It's a long yeah. time ago. Right? I mean, I mean, he'd been dead a long time. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, long time. But uh, I think Maxwell is the easiest, the, mm. the most modern and easiest read. Yeah. Um, I think that um, I, I think that's probably where I would have people go. If you really want to get into it, then you're into Stephen Covey, you're into mm-hmm. uh, you're into uh, Collins, you're into mm-hmm. you're into a number of people like that. Okay, great. Well, can't wait to hear the rest of the series. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.